the rich, the rich fool. You remember the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus and he said, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? First thing Jesus said to him was sell all you have. He said, you lack one thing. He said, he said, sell all you have, give it to the poor, and uh, then take up your cross and follow me. And he, the Bible says that he went away sorrowfully. He was sad because he had great wealth. It was, he was sad because he had great wealth. Wealth is something that is interesting because I know there's some very, very, very godly people that are very, very, very wealthy, and I also know some very, very, very poor people that are very, very, very ungodly. So my point is that it's not really about what you have, it's about what you do with who has you. If he has you. When I first, uh, I started dating Darla, and we did, we, like, I don't recommend this, but we only dated about three months and got married. I mean, it was like, we knew we liked each other, we knew it's God's will, so why wait? 34 years later, we're still happier than we've ever been. But... I remember I was in Colorado and I called Darla. She was in Rockdale, Texas at her, at her, in her parents' house. And I called her house and her mom answered the phone and, and she said, she said, oh, let me get her. She's in the other room in the swimming pool. I was like, when she said that, she, she didn't, but I was like, there's a swimming pool in the other room? <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm calling from my home, which is a 22-foot camper trailer <laughs> that I'm fixing to move my soon-to-be wife into that's living in a home with a, oh, man, you talk about culture shock. You can't imagine. I, and I, I mean, looking back, I, I see it a lot more clearly. I, I have to take my hat off to my beautiful wife and go, wow, wow, wow. But at the point in time, I'm just ignorant. I'm like, no big deal. Well. <laughs> One of the things I understand is that God has different standards than we do. And when it comes to how impressed we are with what we have or how impressed we are with what other people have, God has his own standards. And I think today the challenge in this message is for us to understand that when we see the way God sees and we perceive the way God perceives and we understand what God says about what we have, then we will be much healthier people. Our marriages will be much healthier. Our children will be much healthier. Our businesses will be much healthier. Our church will be much healthier when we understand God's perspective on what we have. Can you say amen to that? Because it really is true. So Luke chapter 12, if you have your Bibles, verse 13, the parable of the rich fool. By the way, I didn't make that up. Jesus said it. So 
If you got a problem with the title and you think it's not politically correct, take it up with God. I didn't make it up. Verse 13, somebody in the crowd said to him, Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I'm sure you've never tried to get Jesus to come on your side when you had an agenda. Oh, I'll move on. So Jesus replied, man, who appointed me to a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said, everybody say, he said. He said said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Not just some kinds of greed, but all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable, the ground. Everybody say the ground. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought. He thought to himself. In other words, he decided to hold court in the recesses of his mind, and he thought. He made up his mind by the thinking that was imposed upon him, by the information that he had. He took it all into this computer inside our heads called a brain, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops, my crops. Then he said, well, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain, and I'll say to myself, anybody here ever talk to yourself? Everybody talks to themselves. Even if you say, I don't talk to myself, you're always talking to yourself, always talking to myself. We're always saying things inside of our mind. And you might be saying inside of your mind right now, what is that preacher talking about? You're talking to yourself. (laughs) But God said... Everybody say, God said. You fool. There, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then you will, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And this is how it will be. This is how it will be with whoever. Everybody say, whoever. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. But Jesus, he's teaching. He was interrupted by someone that wanted to resolve a family dispute. It was like, And Jesus is like, who made me the judge over you? He was like, I'm not going to get in and I'm not going to participate in the sin that you are dwelling in. 
And I'm not going to be a part of your problem because I actually have no authority over this man's stuff, your brother. And so I'm not going to get in the middle of this because I have allowed every person to make a choice and to make a decision what they're going to do with what they have been blessed with. In other words, he was saying, because I don't have any authority here, I am not going to give a judgment. Watchman Nee put it this way. He said, where I have no authority, I should have no opinion. The key word there being should. I'm going to wait on you. <laughs> so he's asking Jesus for advice. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. He wanted Jesus to get the money for him. But Jesus saw a problem in his heart, and it was greed, envy, strife, with no authority over his brother's possessions. He just wanted Jesus to be a partner with his sin. <laughs> Let me tell you something. God will never help you be a better sinner. He uses opportunity. Jesus uses the opportunity to warn the people of this danger against all kinds of greed and placing one's confidence in earthly possessions. This is, it's relevant today, I believe, uh, because for most people, our main priority in life is to get wealth and have a good life, assuming that wealth is the cure for a bad life. Assuming that wealth is a cure I mean, how much time do we spend trying to gain wealth? We get up every morning. I mean, it's like, it's, we have to keep it in its rightful place. So let's define wealth from the world standard. So if, uh, if your net worth is $93,170, it is enough to make you in the top 10 percentile of the richest people in the world. If your net worth is over 93,000, you are more wealthy than 90% of the rest of the world. I mean, it's counting your home, your car, your boat, your horse, whatever. If you have just $4,210 to your name, you are still richer than half of the world's people, population. $4,000. If you're here and you don't have that much, this sermon is still for you. <laughs> I'm sure that many of us could identify with the farmer. We could all identify. He's a happy man, a rich man. He had a good harvest. He was a hard worker. He was a good man. It's the essence of life for us today to be successful and to be rich. This farmer enjoyed that. No doubt he's looking forward to a lot more of that from what he said. And then listen here. He says, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry." Now, let me just say this. 
Building bigger barns here is not the core problem. It is simply a symptom of a much bigger problem, not because he does not have a barn, he needs a bigger barn, and we may remain ignorant to the thought that we have begun to serve at some point in time, we serve the God of never enough. When is enough enough? So we serve the God of never enough when actually we serve the God, we do serve the God of more than. So do we look for the things that we've been blessed with and do we put our faith and our confidence in those things and do those things run us or does the God of more than enough run us? Everything was fine. In fact, this was a typical lifestyle of a lot of Americans today. We want to improve our lifestyle, increase our wealth and find ways to enjoy ourselves We want to store up our wealth, our possessions, so that we can enjoy them when we're old. There's really nothing wrong with that in and of itself. We're always planning for the future, making good investments in stocks and insurance property. Everything was fine and nothing was wrong with that until we read verse 20 where God comes into the picture. And when God enters when God enters into the picture, everything changes. How many knows that personally in your life, when God came into your life, the picture changed? Something different happened inside of you when you allowed God to take over your thinking and you begin to think different, you begin to talk to yourself different, you begin to live a different life from a different perspective because you realize that his perspective and his word and his words to you are much more valuable than anything that you can say to yourself. Verse 20, but God said, everybody say God said again. But God said to him, you fool this very night, your life. Whoa, this night, your life will be demanded of you. So his focus was on more barns when his focus really should have been on more God. All he cared about was building bigger barns, but God brought in a new perspective. The farmer, the farmer wasn't even going to get to build his barn, let alone see the barn, let alone put his profit in his barn because he wasn't going to be around to see it. He made plans only for this life, but not for the life to come. His wealth had lured him, lured him away from God and instead of drawing him to God. The cares of this world had captured his heart. In fact, in fact, he did not even factor God at all. God said to him, you fool this night, your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared 
for yourself. This is how it will be with anyone. Everybody say with anyone. With anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. Not somebody that just says, oh, yeah, there's God. I, I mean, yeah. No. It says, if God has blessed you with anything and you have any riches, let's be rich toward God. He said, if anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. So he was deceived. How was he deceived? By the abundance of his possessions. Now, I can't read your mind right now, but you might be thinking of somebody that has more stuff than you have. And you might be thinking, I wish they were here to hear this sermon. That's exactly what the guy was saying to Jesus about, hey, I don't have enough, but my brother, he got a lot of stuff. You tell him, let me have his stuff. See, he was like, he wasn't content with what he had been blessed with, and he wanted what somebody else had. That's called envy. And when we want somebody, what somebody else has, we'll never be a good steward of what we already have. As long as you're looking over the fence and somebody else's stuff, you'll never take care of your own stuff. And if you don't take care of the little things in your life, God will not make you ruler over many things. Now, just because you might be blessed with material wealth doesn't mean that you will be blessed by God with spiritual wealth. And so God sees wealth from a completely different perspective because God is not, he's not impressed with my pickup or my horse trailer or my horses or my barn or my house. God's not, like, gold is so cheap they pave the road with it in heaven. What makes you think he would be impressed by your stuff? So if you think this morning that this preacher is preaching to you because he wants your riches and he wants you to bring all your stuff to church and pay your tithe and pay this and give this and give this, you're barking up the wrong tree because it's not about that. It's all about your heart and what God has blessed you with. Really, if you belong to God, your stuff belongs to God. And if it doesn't, there's a problem. It says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. Verse 24, consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They don't have storerooms or barns. <laughs> Yet God feeds them. He said, to consider the lilies of the field. They don't toil nor spin. But yes, Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed as one of these. If ever, if a little bird falls to the ground and God says, how much more is he going to see you? How much more is God going to take care of you? Oh, ye of little faith. So the, far, the farmer was diligent. <laughs> Isn't it something how we, I'm sure y'all don't ever do this. Isn't it something how we kind of justify working hard 
and not giving God his rightful place in our life. It's like, it's like, well, preacher, I work real hard all through week. Sunday morning's the only time I got to sleep in and I'm, I just, sometimes I just can't make it because I just, I just work real hard. I'm just a hard worker. In fact, if you don't, didn't hear that, I work hard. You're, let me just, I don't know how to say this nice, so I'm just going to say it. Your work isn't going to get you to heaven. If you're a hard worker, good for you. If God gets left out of your life, you're leaving out the most important part of your life, and you have been deceived by your work. Faith without works is dead, but works will never get you to heaven. We are saved because it's a gift of God, not of, I can't hear you very good. It's not of works lest any man should boast. Here he was. I'm going to build some bigger barns. Boasting to God? Probably not. Probably not going to impress him. So today, if we view our positions or success in life as the result of our own talent and effort, we will think of ourselves as the owner of these things. I'm a self-made man. Let me tell you something. First of all, you didn't make yourself. Well, I earned all this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this. Who created you? Who gave you the brain power to, to accumulate what you, who has blessed you with the wisdom to accumulate what you've accumulated? By the way, the ground is what produced the harvest. Well, I put the seed in the ground. I tilled the ground. I put the seed in the ground. I watered it. I planted it. Let me tell you something. That seed will not ever crack open unless God is the one that cracks that little seed open and makes the harvest grow. Your seed won't do any good without God. It don't matter how much water or fertilizer you put on it. If God's not in it, it won't grow. All of us earn our wealth by borrowed abilities. Please don't confuse God's blessings and grace with his permission to make selfish, greedy decisions. In other words, is it just me? Or is there anybody here that when you were messing up and you really weren't living for God, you, you were trying to live for God, but you was doing a lot of stuff wrong, but God blessed you anyway. Raise your hand if God blessed you anyway when you was kind of messing up along the way. So let me say this. Don't use your mess-ups as a template for life thinking that God will bless you because your mess-ups are acceptable. He blesses you because he's full of mercy and full of grace. And when I messed up and God blessed me, do you know what that did for me? It, it made, me, made me fall in love with God so much more because I didn't deserve that blessing. I didn't deserve that grace. I didn't deserve that mercy. But God, in his infinite wisdom, loved me when I didn't deserve it. 
And because he did that, I want to give back to him, not because I have to, but because I want to, because I love God that way. So just because God continues to bless you when you're making bad choices does not give you permission to make a template for ungodly choices to persist through your, throughout your life. He said this very night your life will be demanded of you. In other words, that, that Greek word means to de demand back or to require back. It conveys an idea of life as a loan that must be repaid to God upon demand. In other words, <laughs> it's kind of like, kind of like my mom used to tell me when I mess up. She said, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. God brought us into this world and God has given us life. And that's the reason God had the authority over this rich man, regardless of whether this man had made the choice to follow Christ or follow his directives or not. God still has authority over life, over our lives at the very end of our lives because we are created. And he says this tonight, your, your soul has been called and, 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 and there's a demand for your life. And we must, the Bible says, to give an account for everything that we say and everything that we do in this life. And this is the judgment seat of Christ. And we'll be blessed according, we will be rewarded according to the things that we have done in this life. Let me tell you something. God is keeping track of whether you bless him with your riches and your wealth and the things that he's blessed you with, if you're willing to give that back to him or not, he's going to bless you eternally for that. I don't know what that's going to look like, but my junior high Sunday school teacher told me, told me that. She said, we're going to be rewarded for that. He said, some, some people will be walking around really blessing, and he said that they'll also have some people uh, their crown that they'll be blessed with will look like a coat hanger. <laughs> I don't want to be walking around heaven. There's a word picture. Stayed with me. I was just a little junior high boy. It was a word picture that stayed with me. I don't want to ever be, I don't want to, for eternity, walking around in heaven with a coat hanger on my head. <laughs> oh. That wasn't even in my sermon. So our security in life does not lie with barns, but with God. Our security in life doesn't, says the pagans run after such things and your father knows that you need them, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. What God's saying is, is if you'll seek his, his kingdom and put his kingdom first in your life, genuinely say, God, I, I am yours. I belong to you. He said, God will bless you the way God sees fit to bless you. Now, I know a lot of, oh, let me just say this. I, most everybody here, a lot of people go like, man, if I could just win the lottery. If I, if I just had, and I've had people tell me, preacher, if I win the lottery, you know, we're having four services a week, and it'd be nice to have a big old church 
building right here where we could we wouldn't have to have so many services. But uh, that, God hadn't told me that yet, so I'm not going to say that. But it has to be for the glory of God. But I hear every once in a while, if I win the lottery, just forget about it. My response to them is, I'm not interested in what you don't have. What are you doing with what you already have? The word tithe means 10%. The actual word means 10%. And the Bible talks about, it says, will a man rob God? So what God is saying is that what everything that we have that God wants us to give to the work of the kingdom, 10%, bring it into the storehouse that there might we can support missionaries. We do all kinds of things. You know all that. But there's, there's some people that want to make up their own thing when it comes to their, their possessions. And what I mean by that is like, uh, I think I'm going to, I think, I wonder if um, maybe 5%. Or just uh, give God a tip instead of the tithe. So quiet in here. <laughs> I have people every once in a while, they're like, if, if they come into a lot of money, it's like, it's like, oh, I don't know, that, that's, that might be too much for the church. Let me tell you something. If everybody would just give what God has asked them to give, we could actually build a new building and, and it, there, it wouldn't be no problem at all. It really would. So what I mean by that is like, don't worry about Whenever you give your tithe, you trust God with your tithe. We have to give an answer for every decision we make as a church body here. And we have to be accountable to God, just like you're accountable to his church. And we all have to pull together so the kingdom of God can grow. And I just want to challenge you today is if, if, if you're like, well, I don't, I don't know about that tithe thing. I, I just want to challenge you. This isn't about your money. It's about your heart. And trust God. Trust me to, that, that it, says, it says, will a man rob God? And then it says, test me. It's only, I think it's the only place in the Bible where it says to test God, to see if he won't pour out a blessing on you more than you're able to contain. So what what they they ask oh is this is this is a good deal right here it says uh, if someone asked at his funeral how much did he leave behind the farmer everything <laughs> you you've heard it before you can't take it with you so what Darla and I decided we decided that that uh, we decided that in our will that we would will 10% of whatever's left, which who knows what that'll be, probably not much, but 
whatever's left, we're going to will 10% to the church. I just thought about that. And I thought, and a lot of people are like, man, I don't know what my kids will think about it. That's, that's why we do it, right? So our kids would know that we have prioritized God not only while we're living, but also after we die. So I just want to challenge you. If you have a will, put the church in the will. I'm not going to be here probably anyway to enjoy it, but it's a good thing for you. It's a good thing for the kingdom. Amen. You'll never go wrong. You'll, I, 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 you'll never go wrong putting God first with what he's blessed you with. You'll never go wrong. Hey, uh, years ago, we, uh, we bought some land out here uh, down 1486, and uh, we kind of stretched it pretty good. I tell people I got a head. I, got, I, I made a living preaching, but I got a head buying and selling places. <laughs> and uh, we bought this place out there, and, and a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago reminded me of this story. I'd forgotten all about it. But we had, had the arena out here, but it wasn't covered. And I had gone to, the, to a roping at the Casino Cachada in Louisiana. I don't know if you ever, don't raise your hand. But. <laughs> I went out there for, for a team roping and, and I was sitting, I went up there and I sat down by myself and I just, I almost started crying. And I said, God, it's not right. It's not right for this place to have this beautiful covered arena when our arena that the church isn't covered. And I said, Lord, I just pray that you just help us to figure out a way to cover that arena. So time goes by. You know how it is after you pray for something. Time goes by. And uh, I'm trying to get a barn built on my place out here. And I decided I'm going to sell a horse so I can build that barn. It's a nice horse. And... Uh, the Lord spoke to my heart to give that horse to a friend of mine. And I was like, I need to build a barn. And I remember telling that guy about how I'm wrestling. I, some of y'all might be wrestling this morning with, that, with this whole message. You're not alone. I do wrestling deals with God too. Y'all with me? I mean, this, being, being who God wants us to be is is uh, it's not easy, but it's sure worth it. Amen. So I decided I'd give that horse to that guy, and this guy reminded me of that, and I took that horse over to that guy that day. And that, that afternoon, I get a phone call. And uh, this guy calls me, and he said, God spoke to me today. I said... Wow. He said, well, he said, you don't understand. He said, God's only talked to me a couple times in my life. And he said, I know God spoke to me today. And uh, he, uh, he was a horseman and he was, he was going to cover his arena. He had an arena. He was going to cover his arena at his house. And so that, I mean, it's, uh, he'd been blessed. And he said, uh, God spoke to me and he said, why would you cover your arena at your house 
when my arena and my house isn't covered, he said, Pastor, he said, if you want that arena covered at the church, I'll pay for it. And there it is. There it is. And when it was all over, I thought to myself, I didn't get my born, but God got his born. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's a so much bigger deal than my little deal. Yeah. And eventually, yeah, I did get a barn, <laughs> too. But that's God. We all have to figure our deal out. But let me tell you something. The very smartest thing that you can do is include God and ask God for his plan for your stuff. And the, I don't know how to say this politically correct, but the dumbest thing you can do is not include God. That's not smart. It's bad judgment. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for your message today. Johnny, sing that song, I Surrender All. You got a microphone? Let's sing this song with Johnny. To Jesus I Sing it from your heart. To him I freely give. I will ever. I will ever love. Lord, help us. Trust him in his presence. Day. Sing it from your heart. I surrender all. I pray that you'd help us to do that this morning. Lord, to surrender all. Lord, to be faithful to you. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. This morning, if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, the greatest gift ever known to mankind is a personal relationship with God himself. And that's the reason he sent his only son, so that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave the rich man the choice. And this morning, I just want to make that available to you. If you choose Jesus, if you've never accepted him, maybe if you haven't, you just haven't been living for him, simply by raising your hand, say, preacher, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Slip your hand up high. We want to put a Bible in your hand. Preacher, that's me. I need Jesus. I need, need to make him the Lord of my life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody, it's the greatest choice you'll ever make, greatest decision. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Will you stand with me, please? Mm -hmm. I surrender all.
Don't you love that song? So I have a question for you this morning. I believe life and death is made in the choices that we make and the words that we say. This morning, I, 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 I feel like I need to ask the question, and I didn't tell you this earlier, but it seems like when I preach, it seems like I'm always convicted about something that I'm preaching about. I'm talking personally. I mean, there's always something inside of me like, oh goodness, I got some work to do. So I want to be transparent with you this morning. I have a, like, like I'm 67 years old and, and I know that I won't always be able, like when the day comes when I'm up here preaching and I'm drooling and everything, somebody else probably needs to take it over, you know. So, uh, so I'm thinking like, well, I'm, I need to make sure I have a good uh, savings account and, and we, I got a little bit of money in the stock account, stuff like that. And we all know what stocks are doing. I mean, that's like, that's like, that's like shooting yourself in the foot. <laughs> <laughs> so I find myself please don't judge me but I find myself worrying about that and God's convicted me he's convicted me not to worry about that because of what I'm preaching to you this morning so either he's my God or my provider and it doesn't mean that we don't do anything, y'all. We need to do our part or due diligence, but we can't leave out. We've got to trust God no matter what. Amen. So there may be something, I'm just asking the question right now, is there something in your life that needs to change in order for you to align yourself with the truth of God's word, whether it's whether maybe you need to start tithing, maybe you never have, it just it just never occurred to you. And today it's like, well, I need to trust God with that ten percent. Or maybe you're a partial tither, and you're like, I haven't really, uh, I haven't done it completely, but I, I know I need to do it. Or maybe maybe it's it's. Uh, uh, your confidence and your trust is, is in what you have rather than who has you. How many needs to make an adjustment with your thinking? Raise your hand. Be honest, being honest, yeah, thank you all, yeah. So let's all raise our hands and, and I wanna pray for us. Lord, you see our hands, oh God. We, we realize that we are uh, uh, people under construction that we are people who need wisdom and need, need your heart. Lord, I pray that you'd take away the heart of stone in those who have been hardened toward the thought of money and church and preachers and all that. And Lord, just help all of us to have a soft heart toward you. I pray, Lord, that you would trust, help us to trust you with our finances and Lord to exhibit that trust by giving back to you what so rightfully belongs to you. I pray Lord that you'd help us Lord to uh, have that confidence 
where things in our nation goes awry that we don't worry about what you've blessed us with and how we're going to maintain it and grow it. But we move in life and in confidence in you with your wisdom and your word that you put in us about what you've blessed us with. We need your wisdom today as a church, as individuals, as family members and business leaders in the community. Help us, Lord, to do and say and be who you called us to be. We love you, Jesus. Everybody say, I love you, Jesus. Everybody say, I surrender all. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless y'all. We love you. Got our prayer team up here. If you need special prayer, love to have you. God bless you.